Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Welcome to the Golf Show on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader, brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy. Proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend. It's the second week of the Golf Show for 2020 on WSBT Radio, and we continue to practice social distancing as the program is being recorded from different locations. I'm Darren Pritchett from my little man cave. We've got... John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Tim Firestone, the owner at Blackthorn Golf Club. Guys, good to be with you once again. I enjoyed last week. It was fun talking a little golf, getting away from all the other things we have to talk about on a daily basis. Yeah, you know, it's a good distraction, I think, for for everybody. So um, that's some positive. You know, I have never wanted to duck hook a golf ball more than I do right now. (laughs) <laughs> you know how you always get so frustrated when you go out playing golf and you have a bad day? I will take a bad day on the golf course right now, and I promise I would not complain one bit. Well, Tim, right. open, go, out, go out and have a bad day there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tim, can you provide me with a bad day, please? I really Absolutely. need one. <laughs> We're very good at that. Yes, indeed. Oh, boy. Hey, well, just, that could be your new slogan, Tim, about... You know, want to have a bad day? Come to <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, when we talked last Saturday, Tim, you were open at Blackthorn. John Warren had not opened so far this year. And I know nothing has changed at Warren. But, Tim, due to the weather, how did you handle this week at Blackthorn? Well, we went ahead and uh, looked at the forecast. And um, we were on a skeleton crew anyway, so it didn't make sense to be open if we were only going to have a few golfers a day. So we made the decision to just shut the golf course down altogether and go ahead with all of our spring maintenance. So we did uh, airification um, and we clean, course cleanup and just uh, really took the whole week from a maintenance standpoint to kind of get ready and rock and roll. So it was the right decision, I think, after the snow and looking what the forecast is for tomorrow. Uh, but our guys have got a lot of work done. Then we're open uh, for the weekend, and we've got packed tee sheets Saturday and Sunday. So really? um, it's uh, – I think you said, I mean, people just uh, are looking for a little bit of a distraction and a way to get outside. And um, I think the, the, the husbands are itching, and I think the wives are probably itching more to get the husbands out of the house to golf. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's a good combination. Sure is. And for people that maybe did not hear the golf show last week or <laughs> some of the segments on Sportsbeat this week, Tim, right now the clubhouse is closed at Blackthorn, but people can go online and get their tee times, correct? That's correct. We are making tee times and having the customers pay online before they get here. And it's actually worked out uh, pretty well. Um, And it's uh, pretty efficient. And um, uh, we're going to continue that probably through the whole month of May is kind of what we're guessing right now. Um, It's going to kind of hurt our uh, 
golf shop sales, but uh, we've went ahead and postponed some orders and canceled some orders uh, in preparation for this. But I just think it's probably the best thing for us to do, the safest way for us to operate. And um, I think we'll just continue these practices of, you know, bleaching the carts, you know, when they come out, when they get in, and, um, you know, staff wearing gloves and keeping the clubhouse just shut down altogether. We've got um, tables spread out out around the clubhouse um, so if people want to settle up their bets or have a beer or whatever after the round they can do that but we've got them all spread out so not everybody's cramped up together in one area so i think we'll keep that for a while um yeah. just to be safe tim since you lead in the name dropping category 1-0 did you have any name dropping you want to do from this week at blackthorn or you want to keep it low-key uh, no, I don't think I had anybody too famous um, this week. Okay. I think I was the most famous player of the weekend. <laughs> so, self-proclaimed. I like that. You can't drink. You can't name drop yourself. I don't think. <laughs> Very true. Hey, John. Just from a golf course perspective, I remember back in October. I it was sometime late fall. A lot mm-hmm. of television stations come up with their forecasting the winter, and I heard doom and gloom. There was going to be a ton of snow this year, and actually we did not have a whole lot of snow. What does that mean for a golf course like Warren coming out of a winter in which there was not a lot of snow? Is there a perfect formula in northern Indiana weather-wise for the winter in order for you guys to have the best success in getting the golf course ready early in the spring? Well, there, there's really no what what happens in winter won't accelerate the grass to grow in the spring because that's totally dependent upon ground temperatures and so but but there are some bad things that can happen uh and the the worst thing that can happen is if you get let's say a snowfall then it melts and then it freezes on the green surfaces and the tea surfaces and if that ice remains on those for any more than, I think it's like 12 to 14 days uh, you can get some kill on the on the greens. You have to reseed. So, uh, and then the other thing is, if you you know fail to put down your snow mold application in time in the fall, early winter, uh, you can come out of winter with some dead spots on the fairways and in the roughs and stuff. But uh, there's really, I mean, we we like the fact that it was a mild winter, but it really had no positive effect on the golf course. But, um, and kind of a moot point anyway. But um, if we were to be open. Um, Pretty much normal as far as the times that uh, the, the time that the golf course is ready to play. How good of shape is the golf course in right now? If we were in normal times, <laughs> there's no uh, ball marks. There's no divots. <laughs> uh, it, it really is good. Um, I, I, you know, our guys have worked really hard. Like Tim said, we we, we have a skeleton crew. Matt Seelan and four of his full-time people are doing everything right now. But we finished with our airification a couple of weeks ago. We've got all of our, um, you know, crabgrass preventer down. We've got um, fertilizer all over. You know, we've already done the application for mm-hmm. the fertilizer. Uh, things are kind of normal from their standpoint, even though it's it's interesting. There's fewer, obviously, fewer staff members, but they're much more efficient because there aren't those pesky golfers in the way. <laughs> and they can take their time and pretty much do what they want. They don't have the greens mowed by 8 o'clock. So 
it's an interesting change for those guys um, as far as their their approach to actually tending to the course, and um, they've done a great job. I mean, it, it looks great. Unfortunately, it doesn't really matter at this point. So, John, let's just put this in total perspective. With the way the golf course looks right now, VJ and Colin would have a hard time finding something to complain about right now. Well, well they never they didn't complain about the golf course. Uh, you know, <laughs> Colin was complaining about there wasn't enough room in the valet parking area. So, of course, we tended to that. And VJ was mad because he couldn't go to the other end of the range and hit the other way. So, um, <laughs> can't help you there. <laughs> if that's the only complaints we had during the championship, we're in really good shape. Yeah, and if those guys, if those two aren't complaining, there's an issue too. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a very, very good point. Mm-hmm. Speaking of professional golf, Tim, of course, you have the Symmetra Tour come to your facility each year. Year number nine of the Four Winds Invitational scheduled for 2020. Now, the tournament was going to be played at Blackthorn June 12th through the 14th, but due to the pandemic, it has been pushed back to July 31st through August 2nd. You know, two weeks ago, the decision was made by the Symmetra Tour to move tournaments that were scheduled over the next few months. I'm just wondering, from your standpoint, how difficult of a challenge was it to have the tournament canceled and move back a few weeks? Well, I mean, I think luckily um, we did not have any other um, events scheduled at that time. So that was the first thing that we looked at um, uh, was just to make sure we didn't have to move too many different events. So that was the first positive news. And I think, you know, I, uh, it, it, quite frankly, given this, and especially from a sponsorship standpoint, I mean, we are not selling sponsorships right now like we normally would have been. You know what I mean? So the, giving us that extra time for hopefully uh, the world to get back to a little bit of normal um, will help us, um, you know, maybe be able to get some more sponsorships sold. I think uh, Four Winds and the Pokagon Band and, and Beacon, our, our, our charity partner, all understand that this is going to be a, um, uh, a difficult year um, uh, to raise money. Um, for the Children's Hospital, um, but we felt like at the end of the day uh, to continue to give these young professionals the opportunity to fulfill their dream and to give our community uh, the experience of having professional golf in South Bend uh, made it worthwhile to continue and try to put on the tournaments. And just major um, thanks and and accolades to uh, Matt Wiesaw and the Pokagon Band um, and Frank Friedman at the Four Winds Casinos to to go ahead and do this. You know, their casinos are closed, um, and so their revenue is uh, at zero. So uh, for them to step up and continue the partnership was huge in this time. Tim, March 11th was the day everything started to change. That's when Jazz play Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. At that point, the NBA shut down their season. There was a trickle-down effect. All the sports were put on hold. How quickly did all this happen from a Symmetra Tour Four Winds Invitational standpoint? It didn't happen until quite a bit after that, to be honest, Darren. We weren't really sure at that time. You know, our event wasn't until June, and I think when that first came out, we know did we, did we think it was going to be a 30-day thing and it'd be over, and um, it wasn't probably till I'd say a month later till we really dug into saying, okay, what what are we going to do now, and what's the right decision, and how how do we move forward? So um, it, was, it was I would say probably 30 days after that. Mm. Well, you mentioned this a second ago, but none of this 
would be possible if it were not for four wins staying involved in this golf tournament. I mean, that that's absolutely huge. Their facilities, I think, Tim, are all closed right now, so that's quite an effort being shown by Four Winds to keep this tradition alive because they are a big part of the community, and as you mentioned, charities have really benefited from your golf tournament over the last eight years. Yeah, without any doubt. I mean, without Four Winds and the Pokagon Band's commitment, I mean, they're investing, you know, a quarter of a million dollars in bringing this tournament to, uh, to South Bend, and um, you know, we raised uh, upwards of $600,000 for the charity uh, for Beacon Children's Hospital, and um, it's made a huge impact all over the community um, in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, thank God uh, for the, the generosity uh, of the Pokagon Band and the Four Winds. As you think back over the last eight years, are there a couple of items you're very proud of that because of the Four Winds Invitational that items had been provided to Beacon Children's Hospital? Yeah, we had almost, you know, it's, it's really cool, actually, to see the different things. You know, we helped uh, purchase uh, uh, an incubator that goes inside of the uh, uh, medical helicopter uh, for emergencies. We've, we've done uh, these giraffe warmers that keep uh, premature babies warm uh, when they're born. Um, all kinds of different, really neat uh, technologies to help uh, the Children's Hospital uh, treat the young, sick uh, children in our community. I had the chance to talk to Mike Nichols this week on Sportspeed. He is the Symmetra Tour Chief Business Officer. We're going to replay that interview coming up on the golf show in the coming weeks. And I know Mike was heavily involved in the decision. I didn't realize he had family up in Edwardsburg, Michigan, until he mentioned it during the interview. But I can't imagine being the head of a professional golf tour, let alone a commissioner of baseball, having to deal with all of these things right now because you're focused on keeping your tour going you worry about the business aspects but as we've talked about guys the the virus is in charge right now and we'll have to see how this all unfolds but were you guys surprised at all that the pga tour reportedly is wanting to get back going again in june john let me start with you are you surprised they're willing to restart so quickly knowing that hey let's face it a vaccine's not going to be available for maybe a year and you know other sports are wanting to get started, but are you surprised that the PGA Tour is wanting to restart so quickly? I, I mean, I'm not surprised they're wanting to. I'm surprised that they actually came out and said they would be. I, I think it's premature, uh, and I think it's still, uh, I think it's wishful thinking a little bit. It's still up for debate. And if indeed they do, uh, playing without galleries, um, I've got, there's probably a few players that would prefer it that Patrick Reed probably would love that. Uh, <laughs> But they'll be the player I, I, of the year now. <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I've become pretty much a pessimist during this whole thing, so that's maybe why I'm thinking this way. But that's awful early. Yeah, I think I. Uh, you know, obviously they're saying, assuming that uh, you know government officials allow it. I mean, I think that right. Um, there's still a long way to go. To John's point, to get this, you know, even. Uh, you know, to be approved to do this. But, I mean, look, I think the other, you know, to take the other side from John is that if, you know, you got 144, 150 players in the field, they all have caddies, you got 300 people, you got rules officials, and I think, you know, if they feel like if uh, they can get everybody tested um, and make sure that, that no one that's on the grounds or, or part of the thing or part of the tournament is positive, um, 
then there would be a safe environment. I guess that's maybe what they're thinking. I can't imagine them going and playing uh, without everybody having been tested. Mm-hmm. You know, just from a PR standpoint, yeah. can you imagine yeah. a nightmare if they have this and then all of a sudden in the, you know, the locker room there was a, um, you know, a breakout or somebody serving, yeah. the, you know, the players' food or whatever. So uh, I would guess that has they have plans of that. You've already heard some of that, right? And was it Major League Baseball that's going to be a part of some testing in cooperation with the antibodies or something? Um but I, I have a feeling there's going to be something with the players here uh, where they will all have to be tested before teeing it up, is my guess. Yeah, the golf yeah show. I mean, that's the, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Darren, go ahead. I was just going to say the golf show presented by Michael Bolter on WSBT Radio. John, Tim, and Darren with you. John, go right ahead. Well, I mean, and what Tim was saying aligns perfectly with what they're saying, you know, nationally in the business community. If we can get enough tests available, um, that's going to be the key to reopening the economy, and I think he's absolutely right. If there are accurate, uh, readily available tests that the tour could use for anybody that are going to be present on the grounds while this thing's going on, that's probably the only way they're going to get it done. So I, I think everything hinges upon availability of accurate tests, um, both the antibody tests as well as just the test to determine if one has it at the current time. Maybe you guys can offer a little perspective since you've both been involved with professional golf tournaments. But if the PGA Tour, let's say, starts in June, there's going to be no galleries. Can you offer a thought on how much the PGA Tour and the respective golf tournaments lose not having galleries? I mean, how much of the budget and how much of the money going to charities, just generally speaking, is lost from not having galleries for these tournaments? Hmm. Well, I'll speak for mine. I mean, quite frankly, zero. All of our attendance right. is complimentary, so it sure. wouldn't impact yeah. it at all. And I think as far as the PGA Tour goes, I would guess 90% of the revenue being generated is probably from TV advertising dollars, right, John? I mean, there can't be. I'm sure the ticket sales right. are some, but <clears throat> unless you're the Phoenix Open, uh yeah. You know, I just don't imagine that being a huge part of the revenue uh, for a tournament budget. No, I can and I can only speak for the USGA, but when you mention the TV thing, as far as the USGA goes, I know that the U.S. Open, the revenue from the U.S. Open, and this is both gate as and all the other things that go along with it, but the TV primarily accounts for 70% of their annual income. Um, and part of that is the $100 million a year that they get from Fox, and most of that's allocated towards the Open. However, speaking for the Senior Open, um, if you look at people, you know, butts in the seat, as they say, as far as the admissions, the um, merchandise sales, the food and beverage that go along with that, in our case, was about $3 million. And that represented, um, you know, but, but it's a little bit different when the USGA is involved. And the same thing with the tour. Not all of that goes to the tour. And so the things you guys are talking about is, for, you know, when you think about the USGA, uh, the, the, the patron-related stuff, there's a lot of income for the club that's going to be lost, I would guess, more so than the tour because, as Tim said, I think primarily it's the TV money. And that shouldn't really be – affected if there's no if there are no fans there obviously that should be a constant i guess the one thing that would be the biggest impact john would be the hospitality and i think 
that's where yeah. the money is made from the local tournament standpoint. I think so. Ultimately, Darren, similar to our situation, where I think what will hurt is the charitable contributions. Yeah. I mean, these tournaments, these PGA Tours events are making five to ten million dollars every year for local charities. And that all comes from those sales of hospitality, ticket sales, and all those other things. So from a tour standpoint, they're getting paid because of the TV. That's what they want. It's the local, I think, communities that are going to be hurt the most. Mm. John Foster, Tim Firestone, Darren Pritchett, The Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra on WSBT Radio. One more thing I want to get to in this opening segment of our program for this Saturday. Tim, I had a couple of people... Uh, contact me just wanting you to offer some thoughts on signal point up in Niles recently you decided to sell that property can you offer some details well I just had this strange dream that we were going to have a pandemic and Michigan courses were going to be closed <laughs> and so I knew it was time to divest of that investment uh, no um, no, we, you know, it's very simple. We we operated it for a year. Um, golf is very difficult. Um, nine holes of golf is even more difficult. And uh, we basically had a, a, um, a great group of guys uh, come and, and talk to us and, and, and made us an offer. Um, we believed in what their vision was for the property, and we felt like we were leaving it in good hands. And uh, it will uh, no longer be uh, a golf course. Um, and um, it should be a great um, um, asset for the Niles community for what their plans are. I won't disclose all of those right now. Sure. Um, but we basically had an offer uh, we couldn't refuse, and uh, it, it was never going to be um, a great uh, return on investment for us mm-hmm. long term. So it was kind of a perfect timing type of situation for us to, to get out of that deal. Very good. Thank you for addressing that. Greatly appreciated. And thanks for the people who wrote in on Twitter asking that particular question. All right, when we come back, let's do the what if. What if the U.S. Senior Open was at Warren Golf Course in 2020 compared to 2019? We'll talk to John about that in just a couple of moments. This is The Golf Show presented by Michelob Ultra on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. Michelob Ultra brings us The Golf Show on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, Tim Firestone, the owner at Blackthorn Golf Club. What if, John Foster, what if the decision was made to host the U.S. Senior Open in 2020 compared to 2019? at Warren Golf Course. So what's the first thing that comes to mind? <laughs> well, um, that would have been a really dumb decision um, <laughs> in retrospect. And actually, we did kind of have a choice, and there was some debate as to why don't we wait a year and wait till 20 because Mickelson will be 50 and we could have him play. And through a little back-channel checking with one of our one of our alums who happens to know him very well and play golf with him, um, you know his his opinion. He didn't ask Phil, but his opinion was there's no way he's going to play in senior events at least till he's 55 or so because he feels he can still compete on a regular tour. So that was the only possible consideration, Darren. But if indeed we had chosen to do that, we would have been. I'm trying to think in terms of the dollar amount. So far into this, uh, it would be in the millions of dollars of investment. Oh. And 
that would have just gone away because it's not like they can come here next year instead because they've already got Omaha for that. They got Saucon Valley the year after. You know, they do these things three to four years in advance. You can get back on the schedule, but that does nothing to help you recoup what your investment was, you know, going into it. So um, it would have been a catastrophe. And I know there are insurance, uh, you can get insurance against these types of things. But in the university's case, you know, we're self-insured up to a certain amount. Um, so there would have been a substantial hit, and you'd probably be talking to somebody else right now <laughs> oh, no. rather than me. That probably would have been a deal killer for me unless I could possibly blame somebody else, which I don't think I could in that case. So mm. it's, I feel so bad for the guys at Newport. I spoke with them shortly after the announcement. And, you know, that's a really healthy club financially, but – they were really banking on this thing, and um, I don't know if the USGA tried to do something to make them whole. Um, I, I, I really don't know. I haven't spoken with the USGA on this, but it would not have been good, buddy. Wow. So you hope at some point Newport can get back into the rotation. I would assume the USGA would try to make that happen. They they will. You know, Newport's one of the original five member clubs of the USGA. So oh, okay. one of the reasons they went back, they've held a women's open there, um, a couple of three other USGA events. Um, and, and actually, I think they hosted a U.S. Open way back when, like in the 20s or so. And between you and I, the golf course, um, I, I don't know if it's really an open-style golf course in terms of the length. They're landlocked. You know, they're out on the water there. It's a beautiful place. But I think the reason the USGA went there is they have an affinity for the original five, which I totally understand. And they'll, they'll end up back there someday, but they've got to wait at least three years. Hmm. I guess, John, it, the frustrating part from a Warren Golf Course standpoint is you get all this notoriety last summer yeah. and amazing reviews from the golfers. The TV commentators absolutely love the facility, love the golf course, and there probably would have been some major rewards for you and the number of people wanting to come play Warren this yeah. spring and this summer. Darren, we saw it last fall. I mean, it was incredible, the amount of demand for the golf course, and it wasn't local. There were people coming from all over. We saw a literal 20 to 25% jump in the demand to play here. And there was no reason to believe that was not going to continue. Um, and, it, yeah, that's the most devastating part for me. And, and not to say we can't recapture that momentum. Uh, I hope it's still there. And one thing, I'm, I've actually got a call in to the uh, USGA guy in, uh, in charge of their TV and their relationship with Fox. I don't know. Maybe they'll re-air our senior open in that time slot uh, this, yeah. this coming summer. I don't know what the plans are. But, you know, Fox has – has programming they paid for, and is the USGA going to um, have they, – would they want to air that? Or is there some kind of, uh, you know, going back to the USGA and say, listen, we need some money back because you don't have any fresh content for us. Again, I'm sure there's insurance and attorneys involved, but I'm going to lobby hard to say and at least find out, are you going to air the uh, senior open from the Warren uh, this summer? I would like to do that because we were at the golf course so much, didn't really get a chance to watch the television coverage. But what I did, I mean, the golf course looks spectacular. And still, even with the lack of rounds right now, John, the benefit of the USGA coming in, changing parts of the golf course, you're going to reap the rewards of the U.S. Senior Open being there for many, many years. 
Yeah, there was, I mean, as you guys know, and we talked about it, there was a huge investment made in the golf course with the help of Bill Warren and getting things done that not only enhanced, you know, the golf course for the Open, but it's it made it the playability and the enjoyability of the golf course into the future. So, it, believe me, it's, it was really positive in a number of ways, and I hope that the momentum I mentioned earlier will continue and we'll see a, a bit of a higher demand for the course. And just a quick think back to last year, one of the people that I know loved the golf course from a commentator's standpoint was former PGA Tour player Brad Faxon. Do you remember a couple of things that he mentioned to you that he liked about the facility? Well, Brad's a big uh, core Crenshaw fan anyway, so he he did mention that. And he's also kind of a throwback guy. He likes the old-style golf courses, but he loved the green complexes. You know, he's considered, I think, pretty much by everybody other than Crenshaw, maybe one of the best putters of all time. And he was just intrigued by what they did with the green complexes. And he was somewhat sympathetic with Matt and I when we talked about the rain that we had that happened on Wednesday prior to the uh, first round. He was disappointed, he said, because I think the guys really would have struggled all week long if they weren't striking the ball properly. And, and the rain obviously uh, nullified the advantage the course had there. So, no, he was great, very supportive, as I say, and um, very curious about the bird incident, which I know we're going to talk about again sometime, but Brad yeah. was front and center on that, too. So, As we are looking for content in the coming weeks, that might be a lead story. <laughs> we, may need, we may need to talk about the birdhouse, Darren Clark. Yeah, yeah I, I don't believe Darren Clark will be joining us for the his side no. of the story, but we'll do the best we can. No. and. And, and, folks, and we, we had his caddy deported, so he can't listen either. So. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, people that don't know what we're talking about, just really quick, Darren Clark and his caddy on, let's see, what hole was it? It was number... Dark seventh hole, which would be championship 10. Okay, right along the road, there was a birdhouse that, that Darren thought was in the way, and you're not allowed to touch it. I think USGA officials told him that, and the caddy started shaking the... The birdhouse, and that led to organizations that protect animals to get involved. And we'll just share all the details of the story maybe next week here on the program. But unfortunately, there's a lot of things I'm going to remember about the U.S. Senior Open, but one of them will be the birdhouse incident on number seven. Unbelievable. But the birdhouse is still there. Yeah, it, and it's, it's bent, but it's there. And the USGA released their top ten moments from championships, and that was one of them. <laughs> Tim, have you removed all birdhouses from your golf yeah. course so you don't have any issues? No, we haven't, but maybe we should consider that. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, there's never a dull moment in a professional golf tournament. It's unbelievable. No, there isn't. All right. Well, we're thankful the U.S. Senior Open was in 2019. We got to experience that great championship with Steve Stricker walking away with the major championship. When we come back, a little leftover Masters talk coming up as the golf show continues on 96.1 WSBT, the sports leader. The golf show is presented by Michelob Ultra on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by... The experts, Tim Firestone, the owner of Blackthorn Golf Club, John Foster, the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame, 
No Masters last weekend. They had coverage on CBS of Mickelson winning in 04, Tiger winning last year. So at least there was some Augusta National footage to watch over the weekend. But we had a little Masters talk last week on the program centered around John visiting and playing Augusta National. What, 14 years ago, you got three rounds in and shot 381s, which I would have taken in a second. So there's a little <laughs> leftover conversation from that visit. You had the chance to visit the champion's locker room, which is a pretty exclusive area, correct? Oh, yes, it is. Yep. So what stood out about the, the locker room? What do you see when you walk in there? Well, it, it's just it, it lush, I would call it, and <laughs> posh, I guess, is the, is the right word. But it's not really that big. You know, what, what surprised me is that um, ch- champions, two of them share a locker. They're a past champion and a champion. Now, they're not going to be there at the same time, but you would think, you know, Augusta National is pretty well set in their ways. They're not going to build a new locker room just for the champions. They're going to slap two names on one locker. So Hmm. I guess maybe that's what struck me. But you felt like you were on (laughs) hallowed ground when they let you in there. And and Bill Warren did a great job of uh, chaperoning and was a tour guide. I mean, he, he knows the whole history of that place. As I mentioned before, his father was a member of, I think from the 40s on, and and Bill's obviously a member, and his son John Kelly is a, a became a member about 10 years ago. So there's quite a Warren family legacy there. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So it's not like the locker room at Bushwood Country Club with Judge Smales and Spalling. <laughs> Actually, that was a little more luxurious than the one <laughs> at Augusta. I think. <laughs> you also had a chance to go into the crow's nest. Explain <clears throat> what that is. Well, it's it's in the clubhouse, and that's where they, you know, it used to be only the winner of the uh, U.S. Amateur and I believe the British Amateur were were the two amateurs that and that that made the field every year. Everybody else was a professional. Since then, they've opened it up, I think, to there's a Latin American champion and an Asian amateur champ. But that's where the amateurs stay every year, and it's basically at the top of the clubhouse. It's like a third floor crow's nest, they call it, and there are bunk beds. Uh, very Spartan, but if you think about who had stayed there, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was quite a list, and they had a list there of all the, the players that had stayed there. But if you hear some of the guys talk when they interview them who were past amateurs who stayed there, they say it was one of the most memorable experiences, you know, of their career. Number one, because they were an amateur playing in the in the Masters, but just that whole setup there is really cool. And how about the wine cellar? You told me this off the air last week. I had no idea about how big the wine cellar is at Augusta National. I mean, it's, it, now at the time, you know, we were told it's the most extensive wine collection of anywhere in the United States, and I, I, I wasn't one not to believe that. But we went down there, and all I can remember just this expanse of, of wine. Um, and indeed, it was a cellar underneath the clubhouse. So. I, I should have taken pictures, but I think that would have been really gauche. So. Oh, unreal. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, Tim and John, just re-watching some of the tournament action last weekend, and to be honest, my son and I, we have a, a golf game on the PlayStation that has Augusta National on it, and we love playing that particular course. And I don't mean to base my comments on a video game, but I haven't played Augusta National. I haven't been there, so that's what I can base it on and also what I see on TV. But – To me, guys, Augusta National, it's hard to find many golf courses with more difficult par threes 
than Augusta National. You think about the fourth hole, it can play up to 240 yards with a big swale in the middle. You've got the sixth. It's only 180, but there's a big hill right in the middle, and the ball will feed away from the hole if the ball is in the middle of the green and the pin's on the right. You think about the historic number 12. Now, 16, depending on where the pin placement is, it can be easy. It can also be a little more difficult. But, Tim, I'll tell you what, I, I don't know. I haven't played Augusta National, but I don't think I've ever played a golf course with more difficult par threes than what they have at Augusta National. I think it's almost underrated how difficult they are. Yeah, well, I would agree. I mean, to your point, number four is just ridiculous. Brutal. That hole is so hard. Um, it's really probably a par three and a half, to be honest <laughs> with you. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. definitely not very many birdies. Um, and then uh, four, five, six, right? It was just with that. When they put that pin, yeah. like that back right pin, oh, I mean, yeah. that's just, uh, you've got to be so accurate. Um, but, yeah, it's a good point, Darren. The part threes are mm-hmm. uh, maybe a little bit overlooked as far as the difficulty of the golf course. We'll ask our expert who's played there now. John, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, you know, number four, which you mentioned is in the 240 range right now, when I was there was 195 or so. That's the hole they've stretched more than wow. any of the others. Believe me, 195 hitting to that green, which slants so severely left to right, um, was hard enough. I can't imagine, you know, 240s now. Granted, these guys are hitting five irons in. Um, but still, and <clears throat> six, it's all about the green. You know, the front left, whole location, uh, there people, you know, it's a lot easier because you can come up short and still make par there. And back right, if you go long, is a guaranteed bogey. And then we talked about 12. And uh, 16, depending on the whole location again, you know, the, the left side back by the bunker, the, the Sunday placement is always uh, you know, there for the taking. And that's where a lot of the champions or the uh, tournaments have hinged. But the, the one that's back right is really difficult. You see the guys yeah. come up short and the ball rolls back and they got a 40 foot uphill putt. So, um I don't disagree. I mean, I think the par threes are probably the most challenging group of holes out there, and the tournament seems to hinge on on those on number twelve and number sixteen. Uh, every year, it comes down to a close one. Number twelve, the par three over the water. It looks so peaceful on TV, but I would imagine there's got to be some swirling winds in that little part of the golf course. Well, there is, and it. You, you can't tell where it's coming from. And that's why you see the guys will look over at 11 and see if they can see the flag on 11. And then you look up and the trees are blowing a different direction. And it's a really subtle green design because it's uh, it goes along Ray's Creek, but it's, you know, it slants your left side's closer than the right. It kind of sits cattywampus there. And it, it, I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you, a lot of Jack Nicklaus courses has a number 12. Uh, that's a design feature he stole from uh, – McKenzie, um, but but I mean it's really cool because if you pull the ball, you're going to be long because it's not as long to the green. If you push the ball, you're going to end up in the creek because it's a much bigger carry. So the wind, notwithstanding, the design of the hole is really tricky too. I'm full of great ideas to give to people, but Tim, I'm just thinking at Top Golf with those big screens, putting a PlayStation on there and playing a little golf. That'd be kind of a fun thing to do right now. Yeah, you think. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So if, if there's a key under the mat at the front door, I might use it in the coming days. I hope you don't mind. 
Yeah, I'll just give you the secret code, Darren. (laughs) I can only imagine what the password is to get in just for me. (laughs) WSBT. Yeah. No, I, I, it's probably something more specific than that. All right, we'll take our final break. <laughs> we'll take our final break. We'll wrap up the golf show in just a moment on WSBT. Welcome back to the golf show presented by Michelob Ultra, 96.1 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, and also on the WSBT radio app. I'm Darren Pritchett, John Foster, Tim Firestone with you. What's coming up? One of our favorite segments every week on the program. And, John, what's coming up at Warren Golf Course in Notre Dame? Make it good. Uh, a lot of maintenance. Yeah, we got some maintenance going on here. And um, I don't expect anything to happen within the next week as far as an announcement upon, uh, on when we're going to open. So I wish it were otherwise. Yep, absolutely. All right, Tim, the stage is yours at Blackthorn. Well, we uh, took this week off and uh, got the golf course kind of uh, spring ready and cleaning up and airifications done and uh, open for uh, play today, packed tee sheet, and it uh, looks like the weather's going to be good next week. So come on out and see us. Um, and uh, also we have our black card and other membership opportunities available uh, at blackthorngolf.com. The clubhouse is closed, but you can get all your information uh, right from the website or give us a call at 232-4653. Sounds like a great idea. Guys, enjoyed the conversation as always. We will try it again next week. All right, buddy. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Thanks to our producer, Jess, for recording the program, along with John and Tim. I'm Darren. Thanks for joining us on the Golf Show, presented by Michelob Ultra. Stay in, stay active, enjoy, proudly distributed locally by United Beverage of South Bend on WSBT South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 